With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. You're listening to another ambitious entrepreneur network.com podcast, the voice for entrepreneurs and small business. Now onto the show. This is Women in Leadership Podcast, featuring success insights from women around the globe. Now, over to your host, Anne-Marie Cross. So welcome to another episode of the Women in Leadership Podcast. This is episode 93, brought to you by Podcasting with Purpose, helping you to stand out, be heard, and become known as an influential voice in your industry with a podcast. And my name is Anne-Marie Cross, your host, the podcasting queen. Now, joining me on today's show is Donna Carabar. I hope I've pronounced that correctly, Donna. And she is the founder and CEO of Carabar Consulting, an executive coaching firm developing authentic leaders since 2003. And Donna helps leaders become real. Now, as an authentic leader herself, Donna has raised her children on her own terms. She created financial freedom, supporting her husband and children to follow their dreams. And each member of her family has pursued their passion and is living life fully. Donna's desire to both raise her children and be an authentic entrepreneur caused her to focus her business on top leaders with great influence so that client breakthroughs would have a profound ripple effect. Donna Caraba's new book, Passion, Purpose, Profit, Earn Six Figures from Home as an Executive Coach, reveals six secrets to work from home while raising your children. So on today's show, Donna is going to share how passion can lead to a profitable business, how to work less and earn more, and how to raise children to be happy, successful, and free. Welcome to the show, Donna. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's great to be here. And looking over your introduction, as I was reading through that, you know, you have such a wealth and depth of expertise, both in the boardroom, business, and of course, raising a family. And I know as a woman myself, who's juggled children and and business and all of the things that goes with it. It's not an easy task, is it? Not at all. And uh, so it's nice to have a home-based business. <laughs> it is. It certainly is. And I think there's a lot of women who would love to be able to have both a, a career and look after their children as well. And, and the thought of a home-based business is not one that's yet been realized. So it's great to get you on the show and be able to share some insights that you've learned along the way, as well as some practical strategies so that that dream can come a reality for many women across the globe. So let's just take us back to when you decided that you wanted to raise a family from home but also have a business. Was it something that you'd always thought about or was it something that you'd seen and observed in, in other women that were doing that? What Take us back to that moment. Actually, I think it goes back to my father who was an entrepreneur himself. I never really thought of him as that because I was so young at the time, I really could barely pronounce the word psychologist or even define what it meant <laughs> as a child. So I really um, 
didn't see him in action so much, but he did have a home office and I did type up his reports and that sort of thing. And what I found out later in life when I became an executive coach was that he was an industrial psychologist and an executive recruiter and created a, a number of different materials, videos back in the 70s that played on our public broadcasting station all nationwide that, you know, I had no clue of this as a child, but I think that information just stepped in and I probably just happened to have an entrepreneurial spirit yes. and bent. Um, you know, my first job out of college was with the number one computer company in the world. So I thought I had landed, you know, in heaven. Yes, the, the dream job. <laughs> right. But, you know, what I found was I, I felt like an artist on the inside that was trapped inside of a blue pinstripe suit <laughs> mm -hmm. and in a very conformative, uh, conforming environment. And it just didn't feel like a good match. And I had this dream of starting my own women's business clothing um, for women in business who wanted a fitted suit. I mean, it was just kind of a, an idea and I had a name for it called Eurotrends. And, you know, so I had this, this vision of doing something significant mm -hmm. with my career, but I didn't really have the background. I didn't have a business degree. I majored in psychology. I went into the business world because I knew it was going to be financially secure. Computers mm -hmm. were probably going to be around forever. So I kind of chased that mainstream thought, I guess, of having a secure financial job that could last a lifetime. Mm -hmm. But once I landed in that seat, I just didn't feel like I could see myself there for the next 30 years or even the next 10. I mean, yeah. two years at the age of 23, 24 sounds like 200. <laughs> so, so I had this, this bent of, of wanting to become an entrepreneur. I, I have a cyclical path of going out into the world, trying to become an entrepreneur, going back to corporate, mm -hmm. going back out. I did do a business based on my husband's career I, talking him into leaving his work. He was going to leave anyway and go back to school. And I said, well, why don't you leave? But before you leave, let's set up a sales agency and you can train me. So I did that for three years, mm -hmm. went back to corporate to help him get through his master's degree. And, um, and once again, I was sitting in my corporate chair beautiful office, beautiful building, corner office. I mean, it was, wow. it was a gorgeous environment it, to anyone. They would say, wow, you've made it. Mm -hmm. But inside I was dying. I felt like my soul was going to flicker out because at that time I had children at home and I wanted to be with them. I wanted to do significant work, but meaningful work. And I just didn't feel like I was doing meaningful work in the time that I was away from my children. So I, I, in my ideal world, I wanted to be the mom that was available to her children and doing work that, that she felt was a contribution to the world. Yes, I love that. So what happened then that got you to the crossroads, if you will, that you decided, you know what, I have been um, 
trying my hand at entrepreneurial pursuits. And obviously there was this real drive and passion to do that. And you, then you found yourself back in corporate. What was it? Was there a moment or multiple moments that had you decide, you know what, I'm going to now follow this entrepreneurial journey full time. What, what was that moment for you? Well, I think one of the moments was I happened to pass by the career counselor at work and made an appointment and I knew I wanted to be a life coach. I don't even know where I heard that term. I thought I just made it up. And so I was, you know, in my conversation with her, she helped me explore my values and put those in alignment Mm -hmm. and, and in order kind of of priorities. And she basically said, why don't you think of becoming a free agent? I didn't even know what free agent meant really. Yeah. And then when I told her in another meeting, future meeting, I said, you know, I really want to want to mentor people. I wonder if there's a way to do that, you know, in my current company. Mm-hmm. Um, and what she said was, there's a class on Saturday morning for life coaching. Why don't you sign up for that? And she w- she happened to be a life coach on the outside. So I took that first class. It was not necessarily taught by the person that I aspired to be, but the content of the course was exactly what I had been searching for because I had been taking master's level classes, trying to find a master's program that was not mainstream psychology and coaching is a wellness approach to life. It's not disease oriented and it's not label oriented. And that was the thing that was repelling me from sticking to a mainstream psychology path. So once I found coaching, I was like, I've, I've met my tribe. I know this is what I want to do. And now I just have to figure out how to do it. So um, basically, I, you know, I told my husband, I, this is what I want to do. And, and at that time, he was then being told he should pursue a PhD. So I noticed I was starting to resent the fact <laughs> that I wasn't able to chase my dream because I was fully supporting him Mm. in school and our kids and our lifestyle. So we ended up selling off a dream home, taking our kids out of private school, moving to an area where he could get his PhD and I could go back to school on a very limited, I mean, like poverty level income. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, I basically just left the corporate world, worked with my severance income to continue my coaching. And then um, I applied for a master's program, got a loan for that. And I was on my way. I was, I was just, I think at that point saying, I can't resent other people for the choices that I've made. And I knew that I had one applied for the job that I was in that I didn't like. And two, it wasn't my husband's fault that I wasn't happy when I was the one who said, how about if I go get this corporate job, you then might be able to keep our dream home and our kids in their wonderful school. So it was such a wonderful freeing experience. Actually, when I, when I, when we moved to Ohio and our expenses went down by about 7,000 a month, (laughs) I was riding my bike in the rain, feeling freer than I had ever felt in my life. I mean, and I mean, maybe not my life, but as a child, I felt that free. Yes. So, so that was the turning point was just making the decision that it was my turn to pursue a master's degree that, that called to me and coaching as a career that called to me. 
the master's program happened to be at Naropa University, which is a Buddhist-inspired university. So the thing that pulled me to that program was a year of meditation training. Mm -hmm. And I knew that would help me be a better coach, yeah. having read books about it. Yeah. So amazing. So then fast forward to the time that you'd done the studies, you, you, you know, you dove into that. Uh, and, and then you obviously started to grow your business then. What, what was the time frame between when you were studying your master's and then you started to, to generate income, if you will, through the clients you started to, to work with? Yeah, that's a great question because it was the second year of my master's program where I had to do a project, a service project, 120 hours. And through that project, I learned and did some research through the ICF that, that the, the number one area that, where coaching was needed was with leaders. And at the time, I thought I was a life coach. I was, I was marketing myself as a life coach just around the university campus to like nonprofit people and just local businesses. I really did not have the attention, intention of becoming an executive coach. I was fully done with the corporate world. I thought it's time to, you know, I felt like a corporate refugee. I'm never going back. It's a toxic environment. I, I don't want to live there. But the reason it was toxic was because it was just, I wasn't on path. I wasn't doing what was authentically my work to be doing. And so basically um, after, during the master's time where I was studying and doing life coaching, I realized I wasn't making any money. My husband realized I wasn't making any money. And he was like, maybe you should start applying for a job. Mm -hmm. And so I went to one interview and I was like, hell no. <laughs> so I basically dig a little, dug a little deeper into, you know, the research and my writing at, with my master's program and the some of the work that I was doing and realized I'm already coaching leaders. Mm -hmm. And one of my clients changed my title to leadership coach to sell his partner on hiring me because yeah. he said, I can't, I can't hire you as my life coach, but my partner would, yes. would probably agree to a leadership coach. So I ended up um, thinking about leadership. I interviewed some executive coaches locally and I decided after interviewing them that I had what it took to, to coach executives. Um, and I could use the same marketing model that I used in my previous business that my husband helped me start the sales agency. And that was where we basically cold called as our marketing technique, you know, yes. uh, you need some, some avenue of getting leads. So that was an avenue that I had experience in. And so I thought, well, I don't golf, so I'm not going to hang out with CEOs on the golf course. <laughs> you know, how am I going to put myself in front of that community? And the easiest, really least expensive way for me to start, because like I said, I was kind of living as a poor student at the time uh, with two children in, you know, grade school. Mm -hmm. um, so I didn't have a lot of funding to go hire a PR firm or put a lot of ads in the paper or do anything of that would require funding. So I basically got a um, calling card, an AT&T calling card that you, you pay for long distance because I didn't have long distance on my landline. Yeah. Didn't have a cell phone. <laughs> and I just started, uh, I went to the library. I got a list of 
companies in my local area within a certain radius that I could drive to fairly comfortably. Mm -hmm. And I started calling people and I luckily got some calls back. And within the year I booked over a hundred thousand dollars in business. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Thank goodness. Now we've got a lot of tools and technologies (laughs) that enable us to leverage and get our message out there and not necessarily have to cold call because you say cold call to a few people and we just want to run away and hide, don't we? Because well, uh, you're right. You're absolutely right. In fact, I was at a coaching uh, conference where there were probably 650 people in the room and, and the speaker on the stage said, how many of you like to cold call? Guess who raised their hand? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. were you the and only I, one one of one of I was the only, yeah I was the only one and then I thought well maybe I'm not being honest with myself maybe I don't like to cold call and there's a part of me that doesn't mm. but the reason I raised my hand was because it had worked for me yes you know so a- any marketing tool that you choose as long as you stick to it mm-hmm. long enough it's yeah. going to probably work i mean so agree because we'll look for the what one of the things that i uh, know to be true is that you will look for the beliefs or or the the evidence to prove your beliefs are true are true so in other words if you don't believe that cold calling is going to to work then the second third fourth fifth call uh where you don't get a response back you say it doesn't work yet we know any marketing we need to tweak we need to roll out over and over and over and over, don't we? Because it will work. We just need to, to be able to have the, um, yeah, the, the, the ongoing, the tenacity and the drive to be able to continue that. So, and of course, the rest is history. And now you've rewritten this well, in the process of, of writing this book. So, yes, you're going you're gonna to add something to that. Well, no, I, I, you know, I was going to say it's, it is um, an ongoing experiment. You know, how do you get yourself in front of your ideal audience. Mm-hmm. And, and you're right. I mean, the fact that you're in Australia and I'm here in the U S and we're talking as if you're, you could be sitting in my living room yeah. or. Yeah. With this know. technology. Uh, amazing. Isn't it? Like the, the, we're obviously doing this uh, via uh, zoom and I can see you. We're face to face really through this. Technology. And there's no delay even in our conversation. I feel like you're sit- you could be sitting right across from me and we'd be having the same conversation. So that's to me, you know, I didn't have that um, knowledge or even that platform back in 2000 five when I was doing six, when I was doing this cold calling, I mean that, you know, it didn't have Skype available, but now that it is available, I mean, look how easy it is for us to get in front of other people. And that's really all that cold calling is. It's just a way of getting in front of someone. It's like going to a networking meeting and walking up to a stranger and saying, Hey, hi, I'm Donna Caraba. You know, it's, it's really no different. People are people. It doesn't matter where they are. You just have to find those people who want to hear what you have to say. Yeah, I love that. And um, for me, podcasting is a great way to build my network, get the message out there. So um, yeah, and hence, awesome. this is where, where and why we're speaking today. So let's Congratulations. Talk about, oh, thank you. Let's talk about how passion can lead to a profitable business because you've now shared your story and I'm sure many women and, and men maybe too who are listening who have had that dream and the, the desire and have not yet really taken that leap, uh, there are some real lessons and insights that you can share. So what are some things you want to share today about really taking that passion and leading it to create a profitable business? 
Well, I think one of the most important things for me as a coach is to recognize in someone else what passion is for them. And you can see it on their face clearly. When they start talking about something that, that lights them up, it's very obvious. And so to me, I think of passion like a seed within us. And it's like any seed. It takes nurturance and care and love and water and air and just you know it needs to have the ideal environment to blossom mm -hmm. it's just like a child you know a child can learn and grow and blossom become who they are if they're in an in an environment that is loving and supportive and um really sees that child as being special mm -hmm. so i look at my clients that way in that i am I am drawing out of them by through dialogue and inquiry what that passion is. And then I'm allowing them to pay attention to it. I think we're just not taught as children that passion is something we need to pay attention to, you know, from day one. That to me, it should be a class in, in grade school. Mm -hmm. But no one says, to, you know, no one says, hey, you know, someday you might want to be an entrepreneur, so it might be a good idea to pay attention to your passion. <laughs> but that's the message, you know, I wanted to share, at least with my children. I did not want to be a corporate drone who was not happy in their work, who was just living for a paycheck as a role model for my children. I wanted to be the person who pursued my passion so that my children could, say, could see an option for them. Mm-hmm. And, and choose to follow whatever they were passionate about. One of my sons is passionate about chemistry and science. The other son is passionate about music. I mean, you, there couldn't be any more different, right? Mm. But, but they, were, they were lucky enough to grow up with parents who wanted to nurture that passion within them. And, and I had done enough studies, uh, read enough studies of people who, yeah, it was, there was a, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of the woman, but there was a study done about a longitudinal study. Mm -hmm. People who had chased their passion versus people who had kind of chased the paycheck. And out of the people who chased their paycheck, I think there was like one person that became a millionaire. And out of the people who chased their passion, it was like over a hundred. And, and these are people who are, very well educated, you know, and could probably have any job they want. So it's, it's really a matter of, are you willing to risk your life for what you're passionate about? And I had a tragic event when I was 21, losing my parents. So I learned at a very young age that life is short. You better get your act together and, and make it meaningful for yourself. And that's, that was my search that, that started when I, you know, in that first job um, out of college that I ended up quitting because I, I couldn't conform to that environment. I was, yeah. I really saw myself as, as the entrepreneur and it just took a mat, you know, it took many, many years to get here. But had I been given more information around my personality, my interests, mm -hmm. uh, the fact that I could make a living with my passion. I mean, when I grew up, I pretty much was thinking about just 
becoming a mom and raising my children and getting married and maybe I'd have a career for a few years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that yeah. was, I didn't really have a plan from a young age. And so um, that's something I wanted you know, for my children, and I want for everyone in the world. I really want That's people right. to be happy at work. Eighty-eight percent or eighty-seven percent of the world is disengaged in their job, and to me, that is an epidemic, like an illness that we should be paying attention to. And so, that's our job, I think, as coaches, is to help uh, those suffering and give them options mm-hmm. to really be successful and. For me, because I was, you know, a young mom with two kids at home, I want that for other moms. I want, I don't want anyone to miss their kid's soccer game or their child's play or, um, you know, a special award event. You know, I didn't get, to, I didn't have to miss any of that. Yeah. And so, so, so I feel, I feel a little guilty that I haven't shared this sooner. So, you know, it's kind of like time is of the essence. <laughs> and I think one of the key things that you mentioned around, you know, taking a step to start to fulfill your dreams, if you will, is the decision and the intention that I'm going to do what it takes to support the circumstance that you are in. And some of those circumstances were all the decisions were quite drastic, but you know what? It enabled you to then continue your studies and take one step forward and on and on and on till the point that you were able to create this business that allowed you to really tap into your passion, which was really to help executives and someone in the workplace that uh, is sitting there in their cubicle day in and day out, knowing that they're not living a fulfilled and meaningful life. And my background uh, for you know a couple of decades was working in the career industry as well. How many people weren't aware of their core values and what you know environments they could do their best work? And as you said, every Monday they dreaded work. Every Friday they couldn't wait for the weekend. And I think if organisations spend a bit more time in allowing their team members, their staff, to get a bit more self awareness. And then be able to tweak that to, you know, what they're, they're doing in their work so that they can love what they do. They'd be for much happier workplaces. So there's a lot of business out there. That's what we're saying for executive coaches to really get in there. People who are passionate about helping others find what makes them, um, what are they passionate about? What are they great at? And how can they implement that within the workplace? There's a lot of business out there. So let's talk in and I'll share, allow you to share, if you will, a bit later on on how they can get in contact with you to find out more. But I know that you wanted to talk about how to work less and earn more. Because again, it's one of those things, unless someone has paved the way or challenged your thinking, we may think that that's impossible. But obviously for you, this is something that you've you've done yourself and you obviously help others as well. So how do we start to work less and earn more? What are some of the things we need to, to be aware of? Right. Well, you know, when I, when I got out of coaching school and training, I really didn't have, I really wasn't handed a business model. Mm. So I thought that I would be this life coach that people would just flock to me when they heard me announce that I was a life coach who doesn't want a life coach, but I did not know, how to work with the the consumer market. I was working business to business for 20 years in corporate. And even even on my own in the sales agency, we were doing business to business transactions. So that was a kind of an epiphany for me was to realize that I know the world of business. 
Mm -hmm. I don't know. I know how to ask a business for money. Mm. I mean, lots of money because I, I worked with Intel for instance, and, and was responsible for $40 million worth of business. Um, and it, uh, later I was wor working, you know, responsible for $90 million worth of business in another company. So I knew I was comfortable with that. And I, I knew that environment asking for an, asking an individual to pay me for personal coaching or life coaching was nerve wracking as all get out. Mm. <laughs> so I basically just went back to my comfort zone and I realized by talking to other executive coaches that the income that I could, um, that I could make, you know, over the course of 10 years or whatever was much higher than I was even making in my corporate salary position. That was, a six figure salary. Mm. So I thought, wow, this, okay, this, this person that I'm talking to is making say $400,000 a year. And he doesn't seem to be working that hard. I mean, really? Yeah. What's he doing? Yeah. And, unless, unless he was hiding something. And I, and I found that talking to a few other executive coaches. So I had to shift my thinking around what does it mean to, to be a coach and who is my target market. Mm -hmm. And because it was so important to me to be with my children as a mother, I didn't want to have, you know, 40 hours or 20 hours of phone calls with clients every week. I mean, I was, I, that would be impossible. Yes. So it really was a matter of choice for me to leverage my time and my skills, my background being corporate, it was very comfortable for me to call an executive. They don't, you know, I don't, there's no mystique around that for me. I mean, I, I, I admire someone who wants to have a position like that, mm -hmm. but I'm not afraid to approach someone in that position. And the more research that I did, I, I understood, you know, some of the challenges and and so I, you know, I basically decided I don't want to work, you know, so many hours all the time. I'd rather leverage my time and work at the top of the organization where they will pay for a, a, an executive coach and they have budgets for that. So it, it was just an easier avenue for me. And, you know, my first summer, like the, the, the year that I booked over a hundred thousand, which was my stretch goal, I was planning to only book 30,000 that year. I thought if I can book $30,000 and live my dream, mm -hmm. you know, be able to be at home with my children, I'm happy. But then I was pushed by some coaching class I took where they said you should do a stretch goal. So I did a stretch goal to 100 and 75% of the way through the year I realized I'm almost there. And the, that summer I worked 2 hours a day. Like just cold calling. I, all I would do is before my kids woke up in the morning, I would get on the phone like six, six thirty in the morning, mm -hmm. get prepped and do my two hours of calls while my kids were still in bed. And I was done for the day. Mm -hmm. I didn't make any, any major progress that summer as far as booking any business, but it didn't matter because I was just planting the seeds mm. and over, you know, it's like a farmer planting seeds at some point there's a harvest and the harvest came when my kids were in school. So it worked out really well. 
Yeah. And I think uh, often as coaches, because I've come from the coaching background as well, we immediately think that as soon as we open our door for business, business is going to come and we end up um, self-sabotaging ourselves when it doesn't. We don't realise there has to be a planting first. There has to be the nurturing as well. And we give up way, way too soon. And I think often what we don't realise is if we're not planting the seeds and nurturing them down the track, that is going to show up when we're not harvesting. I love the metaphor that that you've used. It's, It's so true because it makes sense, doesn't it? What are we doing today that we continue to nurture and then harvest a month, two months, whatever it is, down the, the and track. You've got to keep, yeah, mm. and you've got to keep that momentum going. That's mm. one thing I learned, which I talk about in the book, yes. is how much time you really need to devote to getting in front of people and mm. uh, making sure that, that your audience knows you exist because mm. really you can't beat yourself up if you've never walked out the front door to tell anyone what you're doing. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I think often it, 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 one of the greatest lessons that I learned um, as a coach and, and still have to remind myself of even today, it's the follow-up. It's so, so important. And, you know, quite often it, it, it does require picking up the phone, having conversations. And if that's an area that we struggle with, I think, because they're going to get no's. It's just a normal part of business. And the no doesn't mean that we are um, getting any or any minimalization of, of what we're offering, but it's just not right for them at that time. And I think that's what a lot of coaches struggle with, but just continue to follow up continue to, to, to plant those seeds. I know that you dive a lot deeper into the book and we're going to share with people how they can get access to that in a moment. But I know that you've, you've already shared some incredible insights and the importance of allowing our children to discover what their passions are and nurturing them in that way. But with, what's one insight that you'd want to leave with us today around raising children to be happy, successful and free? Because I know as parents, um, we want the best for our children, don't we? And of course, you've done that with your two, your two sons who are now very opposite ends of their passions, but certainly living fulfilling and meaningful lives. So what would be one insight you would want to leave with people today? Stay out of their way. That's really something I practiced. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like allowing them to be their own person, be responsible, make their own decisions, and just be there to love them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so true. And I think, you know, sometimes, and what you said, we see in others when the light starts to shine, when they are starting to talk about something that's of passion for them sometimes we can we can maybe identify that in children and then support them in that area i know what one of my youngest very musical very creative very different from my son is very logical computer analytical and so when we identify that and then we can provide them opportunities to really leverage that and get into that you know the activities that they do but as you say get out of their way allow them to experience that and and grow yeah. Uh, and not put our own um, limitations or expectations on what we think that they should Absolutely. do. So I think as, as adults, how many conversations that I had with adults who were in roles and jobs and said, well, how did you get into that? Oh, my father was a lawyer or my grandfather was a lawyer or my mother had always wanted me to, to be this because she'd missed out on opportunities. 
And so many adults were living the life that their parents could not achieve and they didn't want to say no because, the, you know, they didn't want to let their parents. They didn't want to disappoint them. Yeah. Exactly. And what's funny in my case, my, my, uh, my husband, no, my <laughs> father told me not to become a psychologist. Really? He, he really, he was trying to steer me to be a business major in college. And, and I just naturally found psychology and loved it. So it's probably in our DNA. Yeah, so I'm sorry, dad, but it's in the DNA and you've got the business alongside it. So you've got the, the best of both worlds. Um, so I, I'm sure that that, uh, well, of course, that's uh, why now you've written this book, Passion, Purpose, Profit, Earn Six Figures from Home as an executive coach. We won't allow anyone to, to wait any longer. I'm sure that they've got pins poised wanting to know the best way to connect with you, uh, Donna, and of course, uh, how to access uh, the book. So share more. How can people find out more and connect with you? Okay, well, that's great. Uh, my website is www.caraba, K-A-R-A-B-A, consulting.com. And the book is available right now on pre-order Kindle. So if you go to Kindle and look for Passion, Purpose, Profit by Donna Caraba, it's up there. And I really hope to put that book in the hands of the right people who are really struggling and seeking another option because there are plenty and um, and it's just so nice to be in this position having the writing done and having it out there um, and no longer kind of keeping this a secret <laughs> That's, yeah. you know for for many years I felt guilty that you know I had this secret that I wasn't sharing with other women who um, who needed to hear this message and know that if they do have that entrepreneurial spirit and they want to work from home and be with their children. Like it's all like you can live that dream. And I'm just, uh, you know, I just want to say my, my kids inspire me every time I talk to them. I'm, I, they're so sick of hearing me say, I'm so proud of you. Literally. I, I get that feedback, but it's so hard not to say that because they're living such a, a fabulous, rich, um, responsible, life that at such a young age, I mean, they're 23 and 26 and I'm blown away by what they, what impact they're having at such a young age because they have been following their passion. And it's, it's just so great to see this is possible. We just need the tool. We need to get the information out there. And that's, that's the purpose of this book. Yeah, fantastic. And of course, it's wonderful and certainly my honour to be able to be a platform that you're now getting that message out there. And uh, so thank you once again for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Anne-Marie. It's great to meet you and see you live and have this conversation. That certainly is. You've been listening to Women in Leadership Podcast, brought to you by podcastingwithpurpose.com. Stand out, be heard influence. Want to influence real change with your own podcast? Access our free podcast training, including our no-cost and low-cost tools and podcast production workflow checklist to get you started at www.podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training. That's podcastingwithpurpose.com forward slash mini training.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.